Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. I'm here today with a special guest, Ian Gervitz. Ian, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you doing? I am doing great, folks. Uh, just, we're uh, hanging in. Watch it. You're hanging in. We have a slight delay, so let me just kind of bring you in properly. We are sure you know the name Ian Gervitz as he has been working as a prominent television writer, director, and executive producer. You know, there are over 300 hours of television that is credited to him. I mean, that's a big repertoire. A native New Yorker who, since arriving in Hollywood, has worked on such professional hits as Wings, Becker, The Wonder Years, Get a Life, and Frasier. Who can forget Frasier? Between staff jobs, he's had studio term deals at New World, TriStar, NBC Studios, and Paramount. In addition to working on television, Gervitz has uh, written five books and continues to contribute essays on subjects such as politics and religion to the Huffington Post and the Los Angeles Times. You can always reach him on Twitter at I-G-U-R-V-I-T-Z. Folks, we are going to talk a lot about politics today, but specifically as well. Death to America, how we the people screwed ourselves. Ian, how you doing, buddy? That's it. Good. Just, uh, you know, day by day these days. I don't have any nails left. Yeah, I know. I tell you, especially since you can't be out there all of the time. I gave a little short intro about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, like you said, I've been in L.A. You know, I'm a New Yorker living in exile in L.A. for the last 30 years and doing working on TV and made an indie movie like 15 years ago. Uh, write books as well, including the last three, which have been about politics. Uh, starting in like 2016, put out a book that uh, had an F-bomb in the title, Welcome to Dumb Blankistan. Uh, do with the state of our uh, political situation, sort of inspired by Sarah Palin and the fact that, you know, it just shocked out of me that we would even entertain the possibility of something that stupid and ill-equipped for higher office. But, you know, I ended that one like six months before the election when it was and uh, Trump, but I figured like most sane people that Hillary would take it. Turned out that didn't happen. So after that, I just uh, had to put the anger somewhere. So I wrote a book called Freak Out in 2017, which sort of described what I was doing. And uh, that had to do with what happened and where are we going to go from here? And, you know, so I spent the next three years screaming at my TV. (laughs) And then I finally switched over to screaming at my laptop. And out came this book called Death to America. The the title was pre-COVID. It had to do with the fact that this guy was killing our democracy. Uh, Post-COVID, it took on a little overtone as well. Now he's actually killing Americans. See what shakes out in the next few weeks, whether we sober up or not. Because the bottom line is, even if he pulled out 78,000 votes last time in um, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, the sad fact is, that 63 million people pulled the lever for this guy. And it was very clear who and what he was then. But 63 million Americans said, yeah, that's my, my guy. And I don't care what the polls say right now. I don't believe anything. Nothing's done till it's done. And this guy never quits. So, that's so uh, true. This guy, you know, I am never, sort of- this guy never quits. Now, let, let me just say one thing, because... 
I, you know, I'm a, I'm a political junkie, do political shows all of the times. And what I try to tell people is I don't, I, I want everybody to have your caution, first of all, that you don't care. It's not over until it's over. Secondly, what I want people to do is go out there and vote. And in other words, no fear, go out there and vote. But thirdly, I want to let them know that um, Trump is not magic. Trump did not pull out something magical in 2016. The polls had, look, our country is a misogynistic country. It is a sexist country. There's a whole lot of things that make our country what it is. And those were factors involved in the 2016 election. And we actually came within the polls. Every poll has something called a margin of error. If you have all yes. the intrinsics that Hillary had, there's a good chance that she was going to come in on the losing side of the margin of error. And many of us spoke about that. So I don't want to put a fear in people. But what I love that you did with your book and your, your table of contents says it all. Mr. You know how or you know who goes to Washington. And folks, it starts with an SH. And since this is also going to be on Pacifica Radio, that's the reason I'm not really getting as bad as I really want to get. So tell us, who is Mr. SH? Yeah, look, basically, we figured out we found the worst person in this country, and we gave him the most important job on the planet. And it was perfectly clear who and what he was from the second he came, well, even before he came down that escalator you know, and insulted uh, immigrants as rapists and murderers. You know, it goes back to the Central Park Five and the ads he took out. You know, it goes back to his disgusting birther movement that the media was complicit in giving him a platform. Major networks and major uh, TV anchors sat him down for interviews and asked him, what is this birther thing? And how do you know? And at the time he said, uh, I've got people crawling all over, investigators all over Hawaii, and what they're finding is unbelievable. So, you know, what they find? Nothing. Because there was never anything there, and they should have known that. And after that, I blame the media because they aired those rallies in their entirety from start to finish. They gave him free airtime. The only thing they should have done is run a five-second clip with a crawl underneath that said deranged racist maniac loose in local arena. <laughs> and that should have been the story. Uh, but they, they legitimized somebody illegitimate. Let me tell you, first of all, I, I, I love the phrase and I love what they should have run, what you say they should have run underneath, you know, but I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember the, I think it was the president or vice president of CBS uh, they figured that this guy was so good for the eyeballs, so good for the ratings that they were willing, willing to prostitute the country to make a whole lot of money. So that's why we talk about we are considered here the alternate media. That's why your book, uh, this book that you have, this actually book that I want everybody to read. It's a rough book, but it's a necessary book. Death to America, how we the people screwed ourselves. Get this book before the election if you ever have an intent on voting for Donald Trump. But let me tell you, that's why we have an alternate media, because we are not looking for the money from, uh, from, the, from, from prostituting our country. We are looking to elevate it. I love what you have, the rise of the Third Reich. And I guess uh, he probably was the genesis or, or, or sort of the fertilizer for bringing that to full. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, you remember that run he did. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got the best people. Yes. You know, he was going to drain the swamp, but instead what he did was fill it with the swampiest swamp critters that he could find. 
people who were just incompetent or whose mission in life was antithetical, like who we put in the EPA, like who we put as Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, this crazy Jesus freak. You know, Rick Perry as Secretary of Energy, the guy who said in an earlier campaign that he was going to close it, although in the moment, you couldn't remember forgot that he was going to close it. <laughs> yeah, to close the Department of Energy, you know, and, and then even though he's gone, I have to sit back and remember that he was in charge of the nukes for a while. So every, I mean, how many, how many of these people have either quit, been fired, been arrested, been convicted? You know, he's taken the worst of the worst and brought them in the government. So when pe you know, people like to say government doesn't work, it works if you get the right people. It doesn't work when you, your intent is to do what Steve Bannon claimed, which was to deconstruct the administrative state essentially blow up government. So how could it work? And then you turn around and you see what happened with the coronavirus. That's how it doesn't work. When you get in, in there and come hoax his way through this because he didn't like the effect it was having on the stock market. And he's played that hand ends and what, 200 and how many? 20,000 220, so far? Yes. 220,000. Now, let me ask you something, Ian, yeah. because you go ahead and, um, and I like your chapter that the, the chapter that you have, uh, President Tweedy and the Great American Mind F. Now, that is an important thing because where in the world would we yeah. conduct com government communication by tweet? Tell me a little bit about that. This is his, you know, his favorite mode of communication is Twitter because he, he can just let his id run wild. So, but the thing is, you know, the Washington Post has had this running tab of, you know, he's 15,000 lies, 18,000 lies, 20,000 lies. And they, they seem like they're making a point, which they are, but I think there's another point you have to make, which is that every time this guy opens his mouth, he's telling the truth. And the truth is, whatever I can make you think it is. So if I can make you think like he's trying lately, we're actually turning a corner on COVID, and it's going to go away and it's going to disappear like magic. He keeps saying it. And if he can keep saying it, one contradicts him in the moment. It goes out as fact. At least Savannah Guthrie busted him on a few things during that town hall. But if you don't catch him in that moment, like that, that comment about 85% of people wearing masks get the virus. And she said, no, that's not true. But he repeated it again. He's not used to getting busted. And if he gets busted, sometimes he'll pivot and go, well, well, that's what I heard. And he'll run away from it. But if he can sneak this stuff in and get a few people to believe it, he's won. And when you look at these rallies, people actually, it's like they're running, lemmings running toward a cliff. They're running toward the disease and gathering together and breathing all over each other because he made it a way to almost defy the government by refusing to wear a mask. I mean, could you imagine let, let, let me just say, um, let me just say, I, and I'm do, using this because it helps us with the delay. Um, I, I think it, 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 there's something important there, right, as far as running towards the cliff that you talk about. And you talk about how Savannah Guthrie, uh, what really got him to confess. But I think it's something a little bit deeper. Um, I think, and, and I, I started telling people that I really feel sorry for the president because I think the president is ill. 
I, I don't think the president can help himself. I don't think he can help himself with the lies. I don't think he can help living in that imaginary bubble. And, and the real danger of him is bringing everybody else into that bubble. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree with you. I think he is deranged. But that's on us. We put him there. It was clear what he was and who he was from the beginning. But he pulled off the greatest con in American history. And now the question is, if he can pull this off again. I want to ask you something important, because you said that we did it, meaning we, the individual people. Now, this, this country is sort of a duopoly right now. We have two different parties. Um, I, I sit back and fight with myself. I just wrote my own book called um, uh, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Families, and so forth. Okay, that, that, that was the whole idea. And the idea is that I, I, I separate the politician from the people and the politician as the brainwasher many times and the people who are able to get brainwashed. Let me ask you your thoughts on, should we, don't you think we probably need to find, give those people a place to land uh, because they're so invested in Donald Trump that if they think leaving Donald Trump mean total annihilation of everything they believe then that there was, there is an issue there. Your thoughts on that? I think a lot of these people were re-empowered by Trump, Mm -hmm. especially non-college educated men. Mm -hmm. And I think it was an Obama blowback. You know, they they lost their sense of self under Obama and he gave it back. He made it okay to say and do certain things that we were trying to grow past as a society. You know, now have I had, I've had a few conversations with uh, some Trump supporters. And at some point it's like, we can't agree. But in, uh, here's the thing, in my neighborhood, you know, over the past month, there have been two caravans, fam- not just guys, families, kids in trucks in, coming up and down my street, honking their horns, waving flags with who knows if they had paintball guns. This was like a big show of bravado. Now, if, if Joe Biden wins, I'm not going to get in my Jeep and go to their neighborhoods and start blasting my horn. I don't need that. I don't need it to feel like things maybe are right with the word. I don't, world, I don't need it to rub anyone's face in it. If there's a landing pad, yeah, I hope there is, because part of the premise of my book was that short of secession, we're stuck with each other. Exactly. That, that, is, my, that, is, my important, that is the important point, right? That we're stuck with, the, with each other. Now, um, you said, and a lot of people I hear say it, a lot of people say that these people feel empowered. And, and, and who are the people that feel empowered? Most of them are the, the, those who are not college educated. And I wonder sometimes, because I think I know there are a lot of college educated people who are on the Trump bandwagon, not because they like Trump, but because Trump is willing to take away from the masses and give it to the few. And that is their point of view. And they look at the other Trumpsters as the fools that are helping them. How do we separate them? So that because if they are good at, they think that they can divide and conquer by race. Seem to me like we have a bigger chunk if we can divide and conquer by class. Your thoughts? Uh, look, it's class, it's money. I think with the bulk of his supporters, it's, it's their fragile egos have been empowered. With another small group, they like those tax cuts. Right. So yeah, it's good for the stock market. But the fact of the matter is, even the 
his economic advisor at the time, who was instrumental in those tax cuts mm -hmm. to get the corporate rate down to like 21%, he's come out and said, you know, we may have to kick it up to like 28 because the money's got to come from somewhere. So right. th this is at, at least the kind of thinking that acknowledges we have to raise taxes and we have to use it for the good of the country. Now, who we elect, those people decide what is the good of the country. You know, I, I love that some people are scared uh, to death because they think Joe Biden is some crazy socialist. <laughs> you know, first of all, he's a centrist Democrat, if ever yes. there was one. And secondly, even the craziest socialists come January 20, uh, 2021, they're going to be facing an economic catastrophe like Biden and Obama faced in 2009. Worse. Worse. And on top of that, a virus that has it will not be gone that will still be killing people and the virus and the economy are inextricably linked we can't go back to anything resembling our lives until this thing gets under control i want to combine two of your paragraphs chapter five and chapter or rather chapter six and chapter seven welcome to the terror dome and democrats suck at politics. Why do I want to put those together? Because I think the, the, the only reason under conditions that are this bad, uh, we should have terror dome is because the party that is opposing that which is causing the terror dome sucks in the form of how it campaigns to win when adversity is, uh, when, it, when it should have a win that it's back. Your thoughts? You know, as far as the terror dome, it was, even in 2017, I, I, looked ahead and thought this would be the ugliest election in our history. And it's proving to be just that, you know, I, he has said he won't commit to accepting the results of the election. Like he said in 2016, I'll accept the results of the election if I win, which is sort of like heads I win, tails you lose. Yes. He's got his supposedly, you know, poll watchers heading to, and he picked out Philly in 2016 and he picked it out again. Uh, you know, we maybe need to get some people to make sure everything is uh, nothing crooked's going on. What in the world do you think you're you're going to catch? People running in, voting, going out, changing clothes, put on a fake mustache with fake ID <laughs> and running back. What in? The, I mean, he says these things that make no sense, and the media never busts him on it. You know, he says what's going on with the ballots, and it's crazy with dogs and cats and dead people. Everybody, he just rambles but he's trying to put the stink on mail-in voting as a precursor to attack state by state if the uh, results are close. So, you know, the chances of him losing and then conceding on uh, election night or short a soon after, I think are very slim. And if he is getting blown out, my guess is he's got the Trump jet gassed up and he's got some of the immediate family ready to go. You know, if I were Eric, Trump, I would be double checking on where that plane is uh, because I don't think he's going to get the invite. He's going to be on that plane, midnight flight to Moscow. You know, so <laughs> as opposed as you know, and as far as Democrats go, we don't know how to go for the throat. We think that every election is uh, about ideas right. and plans. And if you know, I love Elizabeth Warren, but during the primaries, you know, I've got a plan for this. I got a plan for that. It's they're not about plans. You know, it's about inspiring people. It's about reaching people emotionally. But Democrats.
Democrats, you know, thank God for the Lincoln Project and Republican voters against Trump. They're doing the hardcore ads that the Democratic Party just doesn't seem to be able to do. Now, Biden, I think he has to stay on the high road because there was a moment where I thought, you know, maybe we're settling for this guy. But then I thought about it some more. And what I think is that we reached out to this guy. And it's an emotional reaction for someone who is intelligent, experienced, empathetic, and just decent. I think most Americans are craving decency from the White House and in government. Let me tell you something, uh, Ian. First of all, you're right. Um, I, was, I am not a Biden fan, and I became a Biden fan in the way the campaign is being run for the most part. Uh, I am disappointed in the way the other organizations that are supposed to be supporting the candidates, external of the candidate, the type of ads that you're running. You're absolutely right. Thanks for RVAT and the Lincoln Project. They are doing a good, the, the hard-hitting job that needs to get done. Um, that said, like I said, in, in my case, I'm a lot more left than Biden is, but Biden is somebody who will look at, look at what things, you know, how things need to, to, to move forward. Now, you're a writer. Uh, the job that you do, you have to have the pulse of America. The shows that you've written for, these were well-received shows, which means you have somehow had the pulse of America. Um, we are, I expect a landslide. My question to you is, how are the writers in Hollywood going to communicate? The, because you guys have a job to do after this is over. Uh, you have to find a way with your funny pieces, with your documentaries and all of that to bring us, to help bring us back together. What's your, what's your intent on that? Uh, you know, once we get past, I would say, stage one relief. And again, knock wood, if it happens. It will. Yeah. If we get past relief and if we get past the uh, momentary need to rub it in somebody's face who you knew who wouldn't shut up about Trump, you know, hopefully that will get, get through that pretty quickly. But after that, I think we're into pragmatic you know, solutions to real problems. This virus will still be in our lives. The economy will still be in the tank. People will be out of work. It's not like electing a Democrat. All it does is slam the brakes on disaster. Right. And Donald Trump, and I'm a New Yorker, and I, when he uses this word, I know what he means, and I use it too. He is an effing disaster. You know, all I would say to Republicans right now is if you think you're tired of all that winning, he said you were going to do, look out the window. How's life? You know, use Reagan's comment. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Can you go to work? Do you have a job? Can you pay your bills? Can, are your kids in school? Can you take your kids to the movies? Can you go out with a friend, family for dinner? Can you meet a friend for a beer? Can you go to a bar and watch a baseball or football game? You know, life has become abnormal, and it's this guy's fault 100%. I've got two, two last questions. The first is, tell me a little bit about the seven sins that gave us Trump, and sort of in a, a quick, uh, quick shot way, and then I have a last thing for you. You know, it's, it's our love of money and the fact that we equate money with goodness. You know, there's a little Calvinist side to that. It is fame and what he did on The Apprentice that legitimized him. It sold us, he's, you know, he's 300 pounds of Trump steaks. And The Apprentice sold us that as a real businessman. 
it's our silly notion of freedom, which we think is the same as, as license. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to wear a mask and you can't stop me as opposed to freedom being something we experience individually and share collectively. We need each other to live as free people. You know, there's a problem I think with our understanding of religion and what the nature of this is. You know, look at those uh, Supreme Court hearings. There's a little frightening religious undertone to her that scares the hell out of me. But it's, it's how we have been taught, how we think the values we have that we think are American that aren't, you know, patriotism is not about flags and, you know, jets flying overhead at football games and color guards and songs. Those are just symbols of more important concepts about a way to live based on freedom but like I said, it's something we have as individuals, but something we need each other to guarantee. Now, uh, what didn't I ask you that you would have liked me to ask you? I think you covered it all. You know, it's uh, basically where this is a fight for the soul of the country, you know, and I, I don't understand uh, people who, you know, maybe in 2016, I get it. Hillary was bashed for two years. A lot of people said, I hate him, but I can't stand her. And maybe we need a businessman. He'll shake things up. So I almost get some people. I comprehend it. I don't understand it, but I comprehend it. Now, even if he's floating around in the high 30s or low 40s, I do not understand those people. I know. This is the biggest disaster we have ever had in my lifetime. And he cannot hoax his way out. He can't tap dance or lie his way out. You know, Truman said the buck stops here. With Trump, the buck stops everywhere else. <laughs> and he's just shucking and jiving and tap dancing and hoping to just like entertain his way to re-election. You know, the other night, I forget he was down south, maybe in Macon, you know, and said, if you know, if I may have to leave the country if you don't elect me. And my thought was, I'll give you a ride to the airport, <laughs> you know. Whatever I can do, just just get out and leave this country alone. You were a mistake. You were a bad marriage. You know, you were the hooker we married and woke up with, with the next morning and looked around and said, oh, I don't know if this was a nice. good idea. What's this ring on my hand? Who is this person? You know, you got to go. And I hope the American people are smart enough to get I, rid of him. I think they are. I think they are death to America. How We the People Screwed Ourselves. Ian Gervitz, it was my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly. Thank you. Nice to meet We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. <laughs> <laughs>